Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find teachings, sermons, discussions, and additional content all related to what's going on here at Trinity. Trinity Galewood is located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago, and we meet Sundays bi-weekly at 10.30 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Uh, gosh, Lord, I thank you for your word. And uh, as, as it says in Hebrews, it, it is good and it cuts, cuts us deep. And I pray, God, uh, that we would see that as a blessing today. And the encouragement that you bring, but also how you work in the midst of the brokenness in this world. It's all in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So, uh, we are excited that you are here with us today, and uh, this is kind of a new season and phase for us as a church because we had church last week, and now we have it this week, and so we are just so excited uh, for today. And so if you're with us last week, uh, we started this series called Mirror, Mirror, and in the series, we're looking at what um, what is our identity, um, our identity, knowing who we are. And, and last week, if you were with us, we talked about how when I look into the mirror, I see my past. But when God looks into the mirror, not only does he see my past, he also sees my future. And today we're going to be talking about uh, as we look into the mirror again, when we look into the mirror, we see our brokenness. And God certainly is aware of our brokenness, but God has something to say about our brokenness and sees a new way in the midst of it. And to kind of reveal that here this morning, uh, I just want to begin with a simple phrase. That a moment can change everything. Anybody know this? One moment can change everything. Uh, So about a month ago, it was uh, a Wednesday morning. And uh, my Wednesdays uh, generally go like this. I wake up around 6 o'clock in the morning, I struggle to get out of my bed for a while, and then make breakfast, and I have an obligatory meeting in Lyle at 8 a.m., and it is a struggle to get out the door by 7.18 for me, because if you've noticed this hair, it takes a little while, all right? And if I'm out by 7.19, like I'm late by like 10 minutes, And so it was another Wednesday, I got out the door on time, I am eating my breakfast while driving with my knees on Thatcher, hitting 290, and I have a great meeting at 8 o'clock in the morning. It's just like perfect, right? And normally I try to like set up like a phone conversation or something like that because I'm in the car for a while, so I called my buddy Seth, uh, best friend from grad school, he's down in Texas, just a really cool guy, and he's an accountability partner for me, and we're having this great conversation, and he's encouraging me about ministry, and we're sharing our frustrations about what it looks like to be a part of a church and be a pastor, but it was great. 
I was so encouraged. And then actually I had a meeting as well in, in Oak Brook, which is like halfway on my way back. And so I met with somebody and we had lunch. He paid for it. That's a great day, right? Somebody say amen to that, right? And, uh, and things are just going well. We had this incredible meeting talking about uh, the future and ministry. And he prayed for me and I prayed for him. And I was just like conquering the day. You ever had one of those days before where it's like, it's like one o'clock and I've already gotten so many things done. And so after that meeting, I found this brand new like coffee shop on my way home. Again, killing the game, Right. Great coffee, it was unbelievable. And I get home, takes me about 30 minutes from Oak Brook, and I'm just like, dude, this, this, you can't stop me right now. I'm gonna write a sermon. I don't know, I didn't have a sermon to write, but I was like, I'm gonna do it right now, all right? So I go into my car, pull out my bag, I like am in my living room, ready to start, like just continuing to kill the game, and I open up my bag and I notice that my laptop is not in my bag. So I do the sensible thing that I always do, which is I immediately called my wife, (laughs) Gretchen, because when I lose things, I just say her name and she knows where all my stuff is. And so, uh, not great marriage advice, by the way, but (laughs) save that for another time. uh, and I'm like, babe, do you know where my laptop is? I, I don't know. She's like, well, just use your iPad. It'll, it'll be no big deal. I was like, yes, great idea. All right, I'm sure it'll show up. So I call out to Lyle and uh, say, hey, have you seen a laptop? No, we haven't seen a laptop. All right, fine. I go into my bag. I'm like, well, I know I brought my iPad out to Lyle and my iPad is gone. This is not good. Go back into my bag. I realize that my charger for my computer and my iPad are both missing. I also realize that there is another white cord because I have all Apple products that are way too expensive that's missing. And it was in that moment that my day just got flipped upside down because somebody proceeded to enter into my car at some point in time and take out all my stuff. It was from that moment that then I had to call Oak Brook Police Department, fine PD of Oak Brook, all right? And I'm over the phone, I'm like, hey, I think my stuff got stolen out of my bag. They left everything in my bag except for my Bible, so I really wanna pray for them, but I'm really angry right now. And they're like, well, sorry, sir, you're gonna have to come out to Oak Brook to file a police report. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, can I just tell you this over the phone? They're like, no, you gotta come. So I had to pick up the three kids because Gretchen was at work. I drive out to Oak Brook and I'm sitting there waiting for literally like a half an hour. Felt like two hours. And in my mind at that moment, I was reminded that a moment can change everything. And I was starting to think about who in the world would do such an evil thing? You ever had that thought before? Like, I'm a pastor. How dare you go against me? You're gonna go against, like, if you open up my laptop, I hope it just crashes and God's, like, in your face or something like that, right? Like, like this moment changed everything. And in that moment, I started to think, like, 
what kind of person would do such a thing? Reminds me, as I think we get reminded of often, that in this world, there's brokenness. This world is not perfect. I, I remember later on that night, I, I, I came home and, and read this, uh, or saw it on the news, that uh, there was this sting that was going on down in Inglewood, south side of Chicago. Anybody hear of this? It was called the bait truck. Anybody heard of this? Listen how messed up and broken this is. It was thought as an idea that they would uh, plant a semi-trailer in the neighborhood of Englewood, a place that has a lot of struggle, and put a bunch of Nike shoes and other nice products inside there, leave it unlocked, and have it as temptation for somebody in the neighborhood to come and take from there, and when they did, they would arrest them. That's broken. That's messed up. And whatever side of the argument you're on there, on both sides it reveals that there's brokenness in this world. There's brokenness in this world because there's a huge gap in wealth. Just a couple of simple stats here. The top 1% of people in wealth have as much as the bottom 50%. This one blew me away, that the richest 85 people in the world have as much money as the bottom three and a half billion. The top 85 have as much wealth as the bottom three and a half billion. This place is broken. We have refrigerators in our house that we store food for a couple days and then we justify it's not gonna taste as good so we throw it away. And in the meantime, there are people in our country and around the world that are starving to death. And there are some people, I'll call them idiots in this world, who will be at a stop sign trying to turn left onto North Avenue (laughs) and will use up both lanes in the midst of traffic. And it reminds me again and again that this place is broken. This world is broken. And What's interesting about this is that uh, in the Bible, we, I, I'm using the word broken, but the scriptures would use this word to describe that brokenness. They would say it would be sin. It's the same thing, that there's sin in this world. There's brokenness that exists in our world. And my fear is that oftentimes we hear that word sin and we just think about behavior modification. We think about like the things that I shouldn't have done and the things that I should have done. And there's no doubt that sin is that. Sin affects how we act and what we do, but it's deeper than that. It's more than that. And for example, a, a child, when they come into the world, how do they get the attention of their parent? By making the worst sound in the world. They cry. I mean, my kids, like, I don't have to teach them, like, how to be selfish. 
but I do have to teach them how to share. And for whatever reason, God in his infinite design decided to make donuts taste so incredibly good. Right? But if you eat too many of them, you plump up a little bit. But if you eat tons of broccoli that taste terrible, you don't. Like this is just revealing that that sin is not only this behavior modification, it is the brokenness that exists in our world. And religions throughout time have sought to understand, like, how do we handle this brokenness? How do we deal with brokenness and sin in the world? Uh, Buddhism would teach that uh, whereby suffering is the inevitable consequence of greed, anger, and delusion. Uh, Islam and, and Judaism would teach that we cannot break the rules or the laws that God or Allah has set into place. And if we do that, there are consequences to that. It's this behavior modification. Uh, Hinduism would, would teach that this concept of karma, that if I do good, I receive good. But if I do bad, I receive bad. And again, those all talk about this behavior modification and how we act in this world. And Christianity is concerned about our behavior, about how we act. But it also acknowledges that sin and brokenness in this world is deeper than just what I do and don't do. It is the very flesh that we have on ourselves. That's awesome. (laughs) So the question becomes this. The question becomes, how do I handle the brokenness in this world? As a result, like how do I deal with the brokenness that exists around me? And how do I deal with the brokenness that exists in me? And I think there are two options that we have. Two simple options. Number one, I think we can handle our brokenness in this world by turning inward looking to ourselves, trying to create the best version of me, saying that I'm going to like uh, figure this out by myself. I'm going to handle it all on my own, that if I just try harder, I'll be a better person. And while that can be true, it also can lead us to places of anxiety and depression. Because even to our best efforts, When I look in the mirror, I see that I'm really not as good as what I can give off to appear. Or the other option, an option that I would advocate for, is that we get our eyes off of ourselves and look, look to the one who was perfect. Fixing our eyes on something else famous author by the name of C.S. Lewis. Anybody know C.S. Lewis by chance? Show of hands. Okay. Uh, C.S. Lewis was uh, a a writer and he was an atheist, didn't believe in God for many years of his life, came uh, to believe later on in life. He wrote uh, famously the Chronicles of Narnia. It's a story uh, that he wrote about uh, a group of kids that go to this place called Narnia. And uh, Narnia is described Uh, as it always is winter with no Christmas. 
It's a cold, dark place. A little bit of what we're going to experience in like three months. And in Narnia, there's a witch that is ruling over the area. It's filled with all kinds of injustice and wrong. It's broken. But we read, uh, C.S. Lewis brings up this character. His name is Aslan. It's uh, the lion that you see in the middle there. And this character, Aslan, he comes into this world as a roaring lion. And it's this beautiful imagery that we see C.S. Lewis writing that where the lion would step, where Aslan would step, the snow would melt. The creation of Narnia would keep being brought back to how it was supposed to be. And not to ruin the movie for you, it's a Walt Disney movie, you can go watch it on HBO today, all sorts of stuff, but the movie goes like this, Aslan, he ends up laying down his life, he sacrifices himself for Narnia. And when we read in Hebrews chapter 10, the words that Missy was reading, we read this. I believe C.S. Lewis was pulling some of that from here. He says this, For by a single offering, he, being God, has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. God has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And for Christians, for those who believe in Jesus, we recognize that a moment can change everything. The moment of Jesus dying on the cross, the moment of Jesus coming into our world, the the moments of him healing people and restoring life back to how it was supposed to be. Not just dying on a cross, but rising again from the dead. And that we would be continually sanctified, continually made new, perfecting this world. That's the story of Jesus. That's the story of our God. But but I do get it. I do understand that when I look in the mirror, it's hard because I see imperfection and cool God sees perfection he sees his son Jesus when he looks in that mirror when he looks at me he sees Jesus and the perfection that he has brought but but let me remind you pastor what happened like a month ago there's still people who are revealing that brokenness in this world your laptop was still stolen let me remind you Ridiculous things like bait truck still happen in our broken world. Remind you that that there are still idiots today after church who will try to turn left on the North Avenue at a stop sign. There is brokenness in this world. So you said perfection. It doesn't seem like what Jesus did has really perfected everything in this place right now. And if that's your question, I'm really glad you're asking that today. Because we need to understand this concept of what God is doing. And it's this. It's called now and not yet. See, what God has established 
through his son Jesus is he's saying that right now things are perfected. Your identity is made new. God sees you in a fresh new way. Your identity is secure in God because of what he has done for you. For those who believe in him, for those who trust in him, you've received a beautiful ticket that gives you a new identity. Yet God is still working that perfection out in this world. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like if you were to leave today and you were to win the lottery, all right? Anybody won the lottery by a show of hands? All right, if you did, I wanted to talk to you after church. So, uh, no, if you win the lottery, you get two options, right? You win the lottery, uh, you get one option of we will give you a lump sum of money. By the way, you got to pay taxes on it, but we'll give you one time this huge amount of money. Or there's a second option that you can receive this amount that you have won in these annual payments over and over and over again. And what God is doing in perfecting this world is you have won the lottery. It is yours. You've got the winning ticket. It was through Jesus' death and resurrection. And what God is saying is that you've got it now and I'm giving it to you more and more and more. Somebody say amen if you get this. It's being revealed to me over and over and over again. It lives in the midst of brokenness, but it's yours to own because God has given it to you. And that's incredibly good news. And the author of Hebrews gets that because that's not the only thing that that he addresses here in Hebrews 10. He says, in light of that, he says, therefore, he gives us these three let us statements. Therefore, as God has perfected this world, let us do three things. I'd love for you to write these down. They're these. Number one, he says this in in verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies are washed with pure water. The first one is this. The author of Hebrews tells us to have confidence because of faith. I can't imagine any better news to know your identity in Christ is good with the creator of the universe who spoke and the world came into being. That's really good news and that should give us confidence to draw near, to come to him, in the midst of our mess. Secondly, the author says this. He says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He says, secondly, that we should hold on. We should hold on to the confession of our hope. That as we encounter brokenness in this world, as we sit behind the person turning left, as people steal things from us and injustice goes on in this world, as death is experienced, we hold on to the confidence of what God has done, our hope in what he has done for us. And lastly, the author says this, number three, that we should stir 
one another on to love and good works. These words here, let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is God's encouragement for us. That when we know our identity, that doesn't just leave us in this place of inactivity. It draws us to love and good works, to action inside and outside of the church because of what he has done. And that's why today we are in need of of people to be a part of the ministry that's going on here at Trinity. I cannot tell you how much joy this brings to see that two years ago, there was nobody in this church. And today we see God bringing people. I was going to be pumped if somebody showed up besides my family today. But somebody came. And my hope is that you would You would be led to love and good works, to be a part of the church, to join in in the ministry that's going on. And there's a couple ways you can do that here. In fact, we laid them all out in the back there because starting in two weeks on September 30th, we're going to take a week off next week, and then we're going to come back on September 30th. We need people to fill in and be a part of the ministry that's going on here at Trinity. That simply can be through our welcome team. We want people, when they come through these doors, to just get a handshake, a high five, to let people know you got to move your car, all right? Like, we want you to be a part of that. You could be a part of simply our hospitality team. Every week we have stuff set up because we want this to feel like home in this place. Give me a part of our music team. Can we just praise God for the music that is here this morning and just the things that are going on in that team. If you have, if you just like music and you can sing, man, we got a spot for you, all right? Because we want to hear you praise God and be a part of this ministry. We have simply our Kid Street team. You can see they need some help. All right? So please spend some time. Consider going and being a part of that. I'm going to go on here for a while. We got lots of things. All right? You could be a part of our tech team. Justin, he's going to hate me for saying this. He's incredible. He's so knowledgeable. And he would love to teach you the things that are going on here to make these things happen on a Sunday morning. I don't care if you're a college student or you're like seven like my son. He can use you, all right, and put you into play in the things that are going on here. But it's not just serving in ways here on Sunday. We have our small groups that are kicking off again in two weeks, starting the first week of October. On Wednesday nights, we're going to be meeting here in the fellowship hall and talking about what it looks like to be a group of followers of Jesus. We also have an incredible opportunity with 
our after-school programming that's going to be happening that same week with our partnership with Love It. And kids will be coming over here and you will have an opportunity to speak life into a group of middle school kids who love to play basketball and eat tons of unhealthy things, all right? And it will be so much fun, but we want you to get involved. We want you to be stirred up to love and good works. And I get this. I get it. It not only happens here. It happens in the places that God has called you already to be. I get that 100%. But I want you to be engaged here as well in the ministry that is going on. See, the reality is that brokenness exists in this world. We see it all over the place. We see it in how people behave and we see it just as we enter into this world. I'm reminded of the words, lastly, that Jesus says here in John chapter eight. He said this, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. One of these I am statements that Jesus would portray to this world is he says that I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I don't know what brought you here today, what enticed you to come. Maybe it's because a coach brought you along. Maybe it's because you really love tacos, which is great. Maybe it's because of a t-shirt and you just want one more. And one of the things that we're thinking about, we didn't want to just give you any kind of t-shirt. The t-shirts that we have here are another reminder of what Jesus has done in this world. And so the intentional thing behind this is I know that in my life I need to be reminded over and over again of what God is doing in the midst of brokenness, in the midst of darkness. So today, after service, after you go and look at the opportunities that exist and sign up for all seven of them, We want to give you a t-shirt, but the t-shirt does something kind of cool. Actually, the t-shirt, as it's exposed to more and more light, receives that light and then glows in the dark. And I didn't know how people were going to respond to this, all right? But just, (laughs) it's not like the coolest thing in the world. But the reason for it is this. The reason is a reminder that as we are in the midst of brokenness, some that we have caused and contributed to, and others that have just been a part of this world, may we be reminded as you wear a t-shirt of the light of the world. Jesus. And the good news is this is that he comes into the world and he lights it up, not leaving it in darkness, 
but brings it back to how it's supposed to be. That's what we're here for. That's what we celebrate. And that's what we desire for others to see as well. And so if you want to join me in that mission, all I need you to say is just amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the grace and mercy that you bring. The light that you bring into this world. God, there is plenty of brokenness. We see it in ourselves and we see it all around us. God, today may we be reminded that you are not void of it. You are not ignoring it. But instead, you've made a statement about it. That you're bringing light into this world. I pray for those that are questioning faith, questioning, like, so what that happened thousands of years ago? What about right now? I see all kinds of brokenness. God, would you give us a new perspective, a new lens, not to avoid brokenness. We know it's here, but to be reminded that you're restoring things back to how it's supposed to be. May we draw near with confidence to you. May we hold on to the hope. And may we be stirred to love and good works. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.